Our sermon for this morning is based on John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. Here we see by scripture alone. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of our Lord. So when you tell someone that you go or went to Peace Lutheran for church on Sunday, do you ever get that weird look? Lutheran? Yeah, I think I've heard of that. I remember I was down in, in Midlothian, Texas, helping a church just try to get the, get the word out about their church. I was going, knocking on doors, and you could imagine some of the responses when I said, when I, said I was with the Lutheran church. Lutheran, yeah, yeah. That's Christian, right? (laughs) Lutheran. So Lutheran's kind of like Catholic, right? Lutheran. I think my aunt was Lutheran once. Lutheran, so, so what do you believe? It can sometimes feel like a little bit of a, a loaded question because there's so much that goes into the word and and, and maybe we don't know how to completely express it. And so today, I want to just take away a couple of different thoughts from our text as we think about what does, what does Lutheran mean? And I want us to have two words in our head. Truth and freedom. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say the truth is kind of a funny thing in our culture today. Alternative facts, fake news. My truth is different than your truth, and your truth might be different than her truth, and her truth might be different than his truth. The truth can be a really sticky, tough, difficult thing to really nail down in our society today. In our reading for today, Jesus doesn't really make it sound like that. He doesn't make it sound as if you can have your truth and I can have my truth and everybody can have their own truth. No, he uses the words, the truth. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He doesn't allow for multiples. He says, my truth is the truth. And if you're trusting in a truth that's not mine, guess what? It's no truth at all. I want to take you back to to 1517, the time of the Reformation when when Martin Luther uh, nailed those 95 theses on the wall. And I want you to imagine that you are some type of, like a carpenter. Or you're a shoemaker. Or one of those other tasks that is, uh, one of those other occupations that is very, very vital to society, but didn't necessarily require a ton of education. And so you, you didn't really read too much, and you certainly didn't read what the Bible was written, and you didn't read 
Latin. And so your worship life would just kind of look like this. You didn't have the Bible on your shelf, so you would just show up to church. You'd show up to Mass, and, and essentially the, the person standing in front of you would tell you what the Bible says, and then you would go, that sounds good, and you would leave. You didn't have the ability to crack the book open for yourself. You didn't have the ability to have the Bible open in your lap as somebody read to you because the Bible didn't exist as a German copy quite yet. And so as they listened to the, the, the preacher, to the, to the priest that was, that was speaking that day, they kind of just had to go by what they heard because they didn't have the ability in and of themselves to look back at Scripture and say, ah, see, no, he, he got it wrong there. And that's one of, the, one of the feats that Martin Luther accomplished in his life is he took, he took the New Testament and translated it from Latin into German so that people could actually have them in their homes. That people could, could really allow the, the scriptures to take over and that truth to be a deep and intimate part of their life. Not just something that they, they heard on Sunday, but something that was, was deeply attached to them and to their families. Does that make us joyful? That now we can do the same thing? That if I would get up in front of you and say, guess what, in Hebrews chapter 5, it says after five years of being a pastor, the congregation has to buy him a Porsche. <laughs> and you can crack open the Bible and you go, no, 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 you don't. That's not what God says. And it's a silly example. But there are some less silly examples that, that we see at that, that time. That you can give some type of offering, some type of, of financial gift and change the salvation status of yourself or family member. We don't see it in scripture, but who were the people at that time to say otherwise? That there was some type of guilt, a guilt that would be hanging over everyone's head that, that thought, I've got to do something to get right with God. I've got to be better. I've got to do better or else I'm not going to be right with God. They could hear it from the front of the church, but because they didn't have a Bible sitting in their laps, who were they to say otherwise? No, that's one of the things that we get to rejoice in today is that God takes his truth and he puts it right in our hands. He puts it right in our hands and he says, you don't have to be dependent on somebody else telling you what's in here. I'm clear enough. And so, yes, we have pastors and we have teachers, we have elders, we have all of these, these wise, wise people, somewhat wise people, that are willing to, to go and, and talk to you and, and, and bring the word of God to you and try to make it more clear. But, but essentially what Jesus is saying is, you know my truths. And if you listen to my truths, then you are truly my disciples. In Acts, we're called to be a different type of Christian. Acts chapter 17, we hear this, this idea put really well into practice when we talk about being able to discern the truths. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. The people got to examine the scriptures for themselves. And for us, we might take that for granted, but over the course of human history, 
That's an incredible thing that we get to do today. Because teachings matter. The truth that Jesus espouses matters. And that's why we have sermons and Peace Academy and Supper and Study and life groups, and Lord willing, many, many, many more opportunities for us to gather around the word of God and hear him truthfully speak to us. Because we live in a world where all sorts of of lies and all sorts of falsehoods and all sorts of half-truths are screamed in our ears, and Jesus calls out of the darkness and he says, no, my truth is what you need. And sometimes that truth Sometimes that truth makes us squirm in our seats a little bit, doesn't it? And Jesus says, it's still my truth. Yeah, there are plenty of passages that we love to hear read. We love when we get to these passages in in Scripture, when we see that Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Oh, it hits you right in the heart. When he says something like, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Who couldn't want to believe that truth? But we realize there are other truths that that might might hit us differently. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. The words of Jesus as he rattles through a laundry list of sins that we know exist in our lives every day. Or in Matthew chapter 25 when, when Jesus starts to talk about eternal punishment... Yes, we take the truths that make us squirm in our seats with the truths that give us life. Because one thing that we know about Jesus is that he is either truth or he is not. Jesus does not deal in half-truths. And so, yes, brothers and sisters, we take those truths that, that knock us down, that show us how much we need the grace of God in our lives, And then Jesus comes from the top rope with the greatest, most beautiful, most precious truths that you and I could possibly grasp in this world. Yes, brothers and sisters, truth matters because as Jesus himself says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why we see that, that third sola, that third alone, by scripture alone, because, because Martin Luther recognized something important that each one of us, every single person, needed to have scripture in their hands so that they could know what Jesus had done for them, so they could know where their standing is with God, so that they would never have to be dependent on somebody else to tell them what their standing with God was. That's real freedom. I've got a couple pictures, and one of them is, is a little more troubling than the other, but I think they, they demonstrate a really, really neat aspect of the Christian faith. The first is of a slave. Any slave throughout the history of time when, when slavery was a thing, who's out in a field, scared, terrified, motivated entirely by the fear that the person standing over his shoulder causes him. Knowing that one slip-up, one mistake, one error, and the hammer drops. 
This is a man who lives his life in fear, in guilt, motivated with all of the wrong things in his heart, knowing that if he makes one mistake, that could be the end of it. Brothers and sisters, there are Christians living like that today. And maybe it's not as, as obvious as all of that, but there are people in this world that are living a life of guilt. Looking over their shoulder at, at a master that they see as God and going, if I don't do this right, God's going to be mad at me. And I need to get this exactly right or else I am going to make an even bigger gap between me and my Lord. I have to get it right or else. And then they look at their lives and they go, I'm a mess. And I want to get it right tomorrow and I know I'm not going to get it right tomorrow and I don't know how I can possibly get out from underneath this angry gaze of a Lord who demands perfection. And then there's another picture. And it's of a son who goes out in the field to work. And he goes through and he's putting up a new fence for his dad. And he digs a hole and he puts the post and he goes to the next one. He digs a hole and he, he puts the post and he gets like six of them down. And then he looks back and he realizes it's the most crooked thing you could possibly imagine. That the holes weren't dug in the right spot and the posts were put in sideways. And he falls to his knees. And he says, I can't get anything right. And it's at that moment when, when he feels the hand put on his back. And he hears the voice that he knows all so well, the voice of his father that says, don't worry. I'll take care of it. And the father goes back through and he redigs the holes and he puts the posts in. He says, okay, now let's do these next ones together. And the son, once again, puts them all in the wrong way and, and, and breaks down again and says, oh, I can't do anything right. And what does the father say? All the more, don't worry, I'll take care of it. That's the relationship with we, that we have with our God. Not one in which we are serving under an angry gaze from a God that demands perfection, but we have a relationship in which we know that perfection was accomplished for us. That in all those moments in our life when we, when we lay the post in wrong, we know that it's forgiven. And we live our lives in a way that is motivated not by knowing that the angry father is going to yell at us if we get it wrong, but instead we live our lives motivated by that one moment where we put the post in the right way and we turn around and we see the beaming face of our Father and that is all we need to keep us going. Lutherans are motivated by something different. Not by fear, but by grace. Knowing that grace has occurred in their life, and grace will stick with them until the end of time. We go into this life knowing two things. One, we will absolutely, 100%, no doubt, be making a lot more mistakes going forward. And the second thing, we know that in Christ, our God says, don't worry, 
I'll take care of it. So what should you say when somebody says Lutheran? That's Christian, right? What can our response be? What is it that, that can define our Lutheran lives? Those two words, truth and freedom. That we have a truth that no one, no pastor, no priest, no one could take out of our hands. That Jesus says something about you and your relationship with him that no one in this world has the right to refute. And we get to serve God in a different way. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Those are just a few of the things that we get to celebrate on this Reformation Day. May God give us the hope and the grace to live in that. Amen.